Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What pisses you off the most? Cops. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That was out of hand from Puerto Rico. If you listened to the last episode, you might have heard that it ended with a track from Fulminator, which is the other side of the split without a hand that you just heard. This song was called Inertia Complex, and it's from the split Dialectics of the Cosmic Real, which is out now everywhere you can find it. Out of Hand is the second side of the split, and they actually have three songs, at least on the digital version, one of which is a live Bad Brains cover of Super Touch Shit Fit. So, if you're into that sort of thing, 
check it out. A little quicker, a little faster. Definitely some crossover, a little bit of grind. Definitely hardcore. Cool stuff out of Puerto Rico. I played out of hand on here a little while back, and I'm glad to play them again. Very cool stuff out of Puerto Rico. Again, check it out. Split with Fulminator, available at least digitally everywhere right now. Need to get some of my hand on some of their physical stuff, but uh, I don't know how possible that is, but we got to make it work. Anyway, what's happening on this episode of the podcast? A lot's happening on this episode of the podcast. So this is going to be the full intro of the podcast because I got two interviews here, one of which is with John Lambert of Noise Dosage Media. If you're not familiar with Noise Dosage Media, it's been a, um, what do I say, an an entity of some sort? Covering uh, heavy music, death metal specifically, over the last few years. John started a couple years back, initially as a podcast, which is still going now. I myself appeared on an episode in the past. He put out a pretty awesome zine. I was actually very impressed with the zine, although you'll hear that he's done with that. His new love is documentaries. And he released Between Exaltation and Aggression, an extreme death metal documentary film this summer, Uh, It's free for everybody who wants to watch it on YouTube, so we're going to talk all about that, and he's going to fill you in on what, why, where, how, all that stuff. And then after that, I'm going to talk to the legend Brian Tatler of Diamond Head. He's back for his second appearance on Getting It Out podcast, and we're talking all about the recent reissue of Lightning to the Nations. So, let's hit that hot zone music and get straight into this thing, because we got a lot to cover. Make family and a friend, make friends and an enemy Peace to my family, make friends till they bury me. All the places we've been, we're never sitting it out We be getting it in, where you getting it out I said all the places we've been, we're never sitting it out We be getting it in, where you getting it out John, the last time we spoke was me on Noise Doses Media Podcast, and we were talking a little bit about what I do with getting it out. But now you're here on getting it out to talk about a little bit about what you do or have done with Noise Doses Media, because you've done a lot. But the latest thing you did was a documentary, uh, almost three hour long documentary called Between Exalt. Tell me, tell me if I'm saying this right. Between Exaltation and Aggression. You got it. That's it. You're the first person that got it right, like the first time. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I thought I was uh, definitely going to get that wrong. But tell me about this. How did you how did you get to the point where you were you decided to make a documentary? Um, well, literally what, what me and you have been doing for like the last I don't know, couple years, man. Like you, mm-hmm. you do this podcast thing for a long time and then I don't know, the opportunities just came up where I was like, "Hey, man, this band that I've talked to on my podcast is coming through. I want to say hi and, you know, build some type of friendship, you know? I mean, like I, uh, I love bands and music I support and stuff. And I just saw like an opportunity with the pandemic. So I was like, give me a camera. Let's, let's go for it. Cause I didn't know anything about filmmaking before it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like a challenge that I wanted to, uh, take a shot at. That's interesting. I thought you might have had some type of uh, experience with filmmaking or recording uh, on with a camera or anything, but you haven't. So, yeah, so I uh, I did photography for like three years or so, but that was the only thing I did um, for a long time, and that's a totally different animal than videography. And 
Yeah. It, that's like the the first thing that I started doing with videography was that documentary. And that's why it's so long because I mean, I was learning along the way, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of footage that I have that I didn't use. Cause it was like not even usable. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, it, it happened because, uh, I got a camera. I, I found interest in it and I loved extreme music. So I was like, let's go for it. You know? <laughs> Well, I like that. And I, I like, I like the whole learning as you go process. Uh, that's what I did with this podcast. That's what I'm doing with the website. That's, you know, and to me, that's the best way to do it. Total DIY. Um, yeah. but, but let's go backwards a little bit and tell me about, uh, noise dosage media as a whole, because when you started this thing, you didn't pigeonhole yourself as one thing. You didn't say noise dosage podcast. You said noise doses media. You started doing a podcast. You also released this awesome zine that I have in my drawer right here um, a couple of years ago. And uh, so, so there's always been a, a bunch of aspects to what you're doing. So where's all this come from? Why? How did you get involved with any of it? Uh, it's going to sound really corny and hilarious. But one day I like woke up. It was like during the pandemic. And I was like, you know, I want to do something within music. And I don't want it to be being like a guitar player like i just want to i don't know i want to try photography i want to try writing like a magazine and all, all that kind of stuff like i dabbled in along the way but i first started off with the podcast um writing zines is a little bit hard so i'm not sure if i'm going to do another one but that led me to filmmaking and that's kind of where i think my niche is right now so i, I think i'm going to stick with like documentaries podcasts and uh yeah I, I totally the the learn as you go is definitely the route that i took and uh i would assume that you would agree that's very um i don't know rewarding in the sense that it's always a challenge you know like for example y me and you probably didn't go to college to to learn how to set up a podcast and do all that kind of radio stuff i don't think that exists but, no no yeah yeah like college radio did you yeah. no 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 radio? of course not no um yeah learn as you go i think that's a lot of things i don't know I, I, nowadays you can learn literally anything on youtube you know what i mean yes that's true and uh <laughs> not to get at that to get into like education all that but uh yeah literally you can learn how to do anything online nowadays so that's that's kind of where it all started yeah i'm trying to learn how to fix a 1962 jukebox right now and uh, <laughs> i don't know That's shit awesome. about it but i mean it worked it worked a couple weeks a couple months ago and now i need to learn how to recap a 50 year old 60 year old amplifier so uh i got the parts i just gotta figure i don't even know how to use a soldering iron but a guitar player <laughs> like you probably there does because you, you guys always know that shit but well, uh <laughs> yeah i got i got somebody down the street that's like a uh, guru at that kind of stuff I actually just picked up an amp and uh dude that's a that's a really cool market to put yourself in if you're really good at electronics mm -hmm. oh my god like people need that stuff all the time like like exactly what you said you know yeah you're gonna get yeah. it fixed i'm gonna i'm gonna figure out how to fix it myself at some point i decided like with my car with uh with whatever if i'm not paying anybody else to fix anything until i figure out if I can do it or not, you know, and sometimes like with the car, it'll be like, yeah, I, I can't do that, you know, <laughs> like, but there's other things like other things that I never even thought about. Now it's just like, oh, I'll just have that towed home and I'll replace that belt myself where, where it used to be, well, shit, I don't even, I have no idea what happened to my car. I'm going to, I'm going to have to send it to the shop 
you know, get it towed there, be without a car for weeks. And that's just not a problem now. And honestly, it's just because of YouTube. <laughs> like, I don't oh, have anybody, yeah. I don't have anybody showing me how to do this. It's like, all right, well, let's Google it and figure it out, which I, like you, like you said, you did with, uh, with learning how to do a lot of your stuff. And that's how I learned how to do podcasts. And uh, it doesn't take much, but doing a documentary probably takes a lot more. So what were the steps to beginning to film a documentary? What did you need to get? What did you need to get together? How did you need? Did you need to? What did you start with? I should say. Um, what did I start with? Uh, a trip to a show with a friend and an idea. <laughs> Basically, uh, me and my friend Victor. Uh, I I did like a, I did like a quick test run interview, or whatever, with uh, Don from Nonslaughter at a show in Buffalo. Mm-hmm which was a cluster right away like the the first take uh we we showed up we tried doing it before the show i was super nervous didn't end up happening um until like late at night after the show and that's how it kind of started but uh we went on this trip me and my friend victor to ohio it was like a three-hour trip so it gave us a decent amount of time to think and uh I was literally like just talking like we just talked it out on what we would want to see in a documentary in the future. And uh, it was super like inspiring because we went to the show and originally it was just like one band like sang with Slickerbog. And then like a whole bunch of like friends um, that I've talked to that live in the area and are in like very good bands uh, were there. And I was like, hey, man, come downstairs. Let's film some stuff. Um and that's how it kind of started. Like everybody was like, yo, I'm like totally down. Like, let's do it. Like mm-hmm. 200 stab wounds, inoculation, autum, a whole bunch of people. They're like, let's do it. Um, and uh, that's, that's what really kind of started it. Just a, a long car ride and a, a very uh, long list of ideas and brainstorming, <laughs> but, well, but it was no, it, it was no like, sitting in my room like brainstorming with a huge sheet of paper on a concept like it was kind of like a a learn as you go experience because along the documentary like i added things i took out things Mm -hmm. you know to flow the the whole thing you know the film well when you're putting it together what was the what was the initial concept other than like i know you 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 got your chops up interviewing people on the podcast and you decided you wanted to make a documentary but what was it What's it for? What, what was the idea? What was the, what was the, the intentions? The tensions, yeah. The uh, well, the main theme, I guess. Um, three words: uh, the evolution, the culture, and stories regarding extreme music. I mean, that was that was like the goal. Like, if I could hit all three of those topics within that film, like I did, you know, my job. That's, <laughs> um, but it kind of like. It was like an evolution, man, because like, like I said, throughout that film, man, there were, there were things like I would talk to musicians and they're like, Hey man, like you should add this, you should have added this person. You should, you know, add this, add that, you know, it was just, it's, it's hard to say because there was many like points in that film where I was like, you know, I should change that, cut that. Did you feel like doing the podcast and doing the zine was good preparation for 
sitting down to talk to people because you mentioned that it was it was a little nerve-wracking but but i'm oh, sure it had to help a little bit oh oh without a doubt man like networking number one uh i've said this recently but i haven't said it like ever which is really funny but like i was a very anti-social kid <laughs> growing up i still am uh but not as much anymore like uh, it was yes if i didn't do the zine and if i didn't do the the podcast there would be no film without a doubt like none of that would have happened just because uh i don't know i just probably didn't have confidence nor did i think i was like worthy of talking to musicians of that you know stature yeah yeah you know? um because obviously like me I, i'm 23 years old man I, i'm just i'm not like I don't look super old. Let's put it that way. So <laughs> it, it's very funny to me, like, especially like when I met uh, Travis from Cattle Decapitation, mm -hmm. like <laughs> I, I was like sitting at the bar and like he walked up behind me and the, the tour manager was like, hey, here's the guy. And like, I could see it in Travis's eyes, like him, like <laughs> this young kid, like the, this kid's making a documentary. I'm like, yeah that's me what's up <laughs> but that's pretty funny i had no idea that you were that young uh, but that's great good for you for getting getting so much done so far at a young age because i guess when you started then doing uh doing noise doses media if you're only 23 now that was what you were 2021 20, when you started doing this stuff yeah like yeah. basically beginning of the pandemic mm -hmm. how did you make your connections initially how did you find the people to reach out to was this just you taking shots or did did you know a good amount of people going into it oh no i didn't know anybody like i uh i mean let's put it this way like i was in one band when i was in high school uh <laughs> so i kind of uh understood like the the music industry in and of itself but um i kind of realized quickly after i like built confidence and in, in my you know within myself mm -hmm. throughout the podcast like i was like let me just start taking shots on that man let me just start going for people like that are just out of reach right just out of reach yeah and uh it just took like a couple of those to be like yeah man i'm down where i was like i'm gonna just start taking a lot more shots mm -hmm. and that, that that's when it kind of uh geared up a little bit because like I don't know if it's if it's like this for you, but in the if you think about like the beginning of your podcast, mm -hmm. you probably had a lot of doubt. You know, you're probably like, "Oh, I'm not in a band. I just have a microphone. Who would want to talk to me?" Right? Mm -hmm. But I don't know. You you just get a little bit of confidence, and then you just go for it, man. But building connections within the metal scene is not very hard. I mean, everybody's kind of. Uh, I don't know, just nice and pretty reachable. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. And I think that's for someone like me who came more from the world of hardcore, it's interesting to, it's interesting to see how much more open um, people from metal, even like big metal bands are to talking to anybody, just the actual community of it, especially. <laughs> and the irony of it is that hardcore is always uh, preaching a sense of community and it's not really as, as real as uh, other extreme music genres, specifically you th uh, you metal. Think you think there's a, a barrier when it comes to reaching hardcore bands that you're trying to say? 
No, I think there's a, there's a, there's an attitude. It's a, there's a, it's a, there's a, there's like a, you have to be a certain person or be down with certain people to talk to certain, to be taken seriously by other people. Right. And, uh, it's not, it's not like for me, that's not a, that's not a game I play. Yeah, I, don't I was do that. about to say, like, I know friends that are into hardcore and that really does, didn't resonate with me until you said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's a, it's an unfortunate thing. I don't like it at all, but yeah, it's, uh, but it sucks because it's a, it's music that I really like, but it's, uh, there's definitely a, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it correctly. There's like a, uh, there's just, there are a lot of high horses and I don't think you find that much in, uh, in metal like you've talked to guys from napalm death well you had mark barney on the documentary you had zetro from exodus on your thing you've done danny Lilker from nuclear assault who of course is in this um those are big names you know those are like hall of fame in in extreme music so that's a that's pretty impressive to get those under your belt already and lined up for this documentary um did you how was all that done did you did you talk to these people beforehand did you show up to the show with a camera and say can we talk um yeah it was a mixture of both I mean, like I met, I, I literally met, uh, <laughs> the guitar player of obituary, like at a bar after the show, I was like, Hey man, well, actually my friend, Mike, he was like helping me out that night. And he walked up to me. He's like, Hey, my buddy's like backstage, like filming with the uh, municipal waste. Do you want to come back and be in this documentary? And he's like, yeah, man, let's do it. <laughs> and, uh, there were just certain occasions like that where, uh, things would just work out right and throughout that documentary man i there there were things that were happening and working out that i don't i don't even know man like (laughs) it just it went a lot smoother than what i thought it did when it came to filming like you know out and about Mm -hmm. Uh, editing was really hard but uh yeah i don't know everybody was just kind of easy to get a hold of and you know they were pretty professional when it came to scheduling and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, I think a lot of people would be surprised that when it comes to doing business and talking about uh, metal, that everybody is really cooperative. That's what we all love anyway. Right. So just the idea to sit down and you're going to talk about it with your friends. Anyway, we might as well do it while making a documentary. Um, I can tell you like, just from, just from talking to Matt Harvey the other day and he was on, he's he's on your doc. He's great. Right. Yeah. Like just sit down and chat. And it's funny. And I appreciate that. You said you uh, had a little apprehension and had a little bit like, I'm not worthy feeling because I think that's, is that's, it's real for all of us, no matter what, right. You're going to get that weird feeling of, uh, I don't know, this is, I don't, I don't belong here, but uh, it's great when the people make it. So you don't feel that way. And uh, yeah. that's, that seems to have been the case here. It looks like, like everybody that you talk to seems to be uh, enjoying their time with you. And uh, do, how did you do this? Did you come in with a set of questions for them or did you just shoot from the hip? Oh, no, I could not shoot from the hip. I, I had questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, I basically had like, I think like 10 questions. Um, but a guy like Matt, he was amazing for the documentary. Like he is an encyclopedia when it comes to metal. And I, I would assume that you can agree to that. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, you, you ask him one thing and he could talk about it for an hour. And like, that is the best person to have in a documentary. Yeah. Um, usually, 
There's some exceptions, but usually, yeah. <laughs> usually, usually, yeah, usually, as long as it's like interesting and I don't know, captivating, right? And then, yeah, it's it's good. But uh, and was it yeah. the same set of questions for everybody? Yeah, and, and I kind of had to do it that way. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm glad I did it that way because in the beginning I thought, hey, I'm just gonna like video a few bands and make some random content put on youtube and then it like got a little bit crazier and i'm happy about that because it i don't know it just there was a freaking backbone you know what i mean to the Mm -hmm. whole thing um when it comes to people talking about metal and stuff that they're passionate about um especially when you're like hey i'm gonna ask you something and you could talk as long as you want that could veer off man Right. And uh, I think that having those questions made it feel like a legitimate documentary. You know, like mm-hmm. there was a informative part and it was like interesting in some type of way because it was like structured. Yeah. Yeah. So wh- where did you, I, you mentioned doing um, some of this in, in Ohio, Cleveland, maybe you said you mentioned Buffalo. Uh, I know you were at Maryland Death Fest because I know Baltimore and recognize the place and yes. <laughs> Edison a lot yeah. anywhere. And um, and you did, of course, a lot of these, a lot, a lot of people standing against walls. Where were you? <laughs> where was was all this film? That did I nail them all, or was it more spread out than that? Oh man, I mean, it was uh, Philly. I was in Philly too. Uh, where else? Philly, Ohio, Buffalo, Rochester. Uh, maryland i think that's it yeah those couple places but a majority of the the locations when it came to interviewing Mm -hmm. the bands it was um besides like a few occasions like incantation like we like went out of our way to meet each other at a place um we met like before after shows Mm -hmm. um because obviously I don't have the budget to, to travel and, you know, do that for everybody. Sure. Um, sure. So yeah. Incantation. I, I met John and went on like a little road trip. It was like in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I drove like six hours just for that footage and like a little trip by myself. But other than that, just like shows around those specific cities I was talking about. From the little bit that I've talked to John for the podcast, I think that trip would probably be worth it because he's one of the nicest people that I've ever spoken to. Oh my god! Uh, yeah. Oh <laughs> like my god! Yeah. By far, and I, of course, I love. I always love when you have the uh, the brutal death metal guy who's like a total sweetheart. You know? Oh my! Yeah, <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, he is that specifically. Like everything that you just said, that is him. Uh, yeah. He's like. <laughs> like he walks in and I, I like listen to the records before and on the way on the trip and we did it at like the studio and he he walked in he had like camel pants on he had the whole outfit on and uh he just sat in the sat on the stool and smiled and i was like what the hell this is awesome <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah it was worth the trip china's a great guy how was interviewing in person compared to oh. uh, on the computer or through the webcam or wh- however you do? 
Well, I'm going to reverse. Yeah, I'm going to reverse this back to you now. Mm-hmm. Have you done that before? In person? Yeah. The only time I've ever interviewed anybody in person was the first interview I ever did. It wasn't it was wasn't for getting it out. It was Paul Bearer um, right after Foundations of Burden came out. And it was just me sitting in the back in a back room with uh, what is his name? Josh Joseph Roland or something and uh, talking while tombs played in the background. It was awkward as hell. And I recorded yeah. with my phone <laughs> and I had questions on a piece of paper and I tried to read them, but I got all off track. Yeah. It was weird as hell. And I've never done it since. I feel like I could do a much better job now. Oh, you know what? I've done one podcast in person because he's my neighbor. The difference between in person and doing it over the internet. So the difference is, uh, just based off of the coincidence, like the situation I'm in, at least for these documentary, the documentary I did, mm-hmm. um, I have a specific block of time and I need to nail the footage. Like the video needs to look good. The audio needs to look good. Everything about it has to be good the first time. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, for example, um, I just got like a confirmation from Scott from Carnifex for the next one. Mm-hmm. And Dude, I'm a little bit nervous, man, because like that was like one of my favorite bands or like opening bands to metal. And I'm like, I better, you know, check all those boxes or the footage is going to be all screwed up. Right. Um, so I wouldn't even say it's the interviewing that uh, is because you can edit like video. You know what yeah. I mean? No, that's a great if, point. Yeah. You, you can edit it out. Well, you're not going to be in it either way. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Um, but most importantly for me, the biggest difference is the, the extra variable, you know, like my podcasts are just audio, you know, and before the episodes, I can check and make sure it's good. But, um, when it comes to documentaries, man, like everything has to be <laughs> like on par. Yeah. That's make, that makes sense. There's a lot more variables, like you said, um, that I, of course, wouldn't have considered. And you're right. You can. You're not. You're not even on the screen. So that that's got to be a. That's got to alleviate some of the anxiety. And <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I'm thinking about all the variables now, and like, like, for example, lighting, like mm-hmm. outdoors, like if the weather gets bad, like the winters here, or like you know, it, it. For example, like usually I do these around six or seven o'clock, like at night, mm-hmm. and now. It gets darker early around here. So right. now I have to think about different ideas of getting footage in the quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it has to be quiet or the footage is ruined too. So, yeah, there's just a lot of things I have to think about before click and record. What have you, what have you learned from this, this oh, first geez. one here? What was, what was the big lesson that you walked away from this? <laughs> like when you were finished and done with it and you went, well, I need to do this differently next time. Uh, uh, <laughs> what do I need to do differently? Um, I don't think the next one's going to be as long. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I regret it being that long. It was just the the things that came to play uh, in which it was that long. You know, I just had a lot of footage and I just had, uh, I just wanted to get it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I know uh, about that. Yeah. So like, I had a lot of footage and I was like just super excited about it. So what I learned there is um, people have short attention spans. Now more than ever. Yep. And if if I want to 
captivate an audience, you know, I should cut it down to like an hour and a half to two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and n- I think the next film I'm going to try editing a little bit better, like in the way of making sure everything, all like the, the answers are different. You know what I gotcha. mean? Gotcha. Yeah. Because that's a good it's idea. Very, it's very easy for somebody to say that the same exact answer. And then I just copy it and paste it and just, Oh crap. He said the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably those two things without a doubt. Nice. Well, I think both, both of those will be both, both of those will be good, but I, but I, but I like what you've done so far. I think, yeah, you could, you could cut it down the length. Here's one of my thing. One of my things that I wish you would have done. And I'm sorry for the constructive criticism. But oh I no, I it. want it. Give me it. When, in like the middle part, when it's a lot of shots of the Death Fest crowd. I wait. I think I know what you're gonna say. Put and put who's talking exactly. I knew that because I had like ten people say that. <laughs> that's a, that's like you know some of the voices I recognize from the beginning. But yes, it would have been very. It would have helped to to know who was saying what in there. Yeah, because I know that there was like at least like an hour of just random footage that I captured like that mm-hmm. where. Yeah, thinking back, like I could have. That's definitely a takeaway. Like constructive criticism. Criticism is awesome because, uh, yeah, I, I, dude, I spent so many hours editing that. Like, I'm sure that was that was the last <laughs> thing I I thought about. And once I released, it, I was like, fuck, I should have done that. <laughs> and speaking of like the that the crowd footage, has anybody spoken out to you or reached out to you and be like, hey man, you were filming me? or or anything weird like that in a bad way no everybody was like hey you were filming that's sweet like (laughs) you got my vest right (laughs) a lot of this a lot of this (laughs) yeah no that's that's funny you say that because like generally like i've gotten a lot of positive feedback but i don't know there were definitely points where like i was filming the crowd and it was very awkward because they were like what do you do like it was there was just a weird look of like why are you filming me film like the mm-hmm. artist not me <laughs> were you were you able to film the artists what do you mean like were you allowed to bring a camera in there and film the stage maryland death fest yeah yeah you were yeah well, you could you could uh maryland death fest it allows you to bring a camera in mm. um but uh yeah yeah, they when I was down there, I just remember that Death Fest was notorious for being really hard to get into for free. This has nothing to do really with what you're saying, but like as to like get a guest list, like they don't exist. There oh is yeah, a, no that that's that that is 100 percent true too. Yeah, because I and it's good that you brought that up because I remember I had many connections to that festival of people that could have got me like one of those passes, mm-hmm. and they were like. Hey, um, we don't do photo video passes, but we'll allow you to bring your camera. I'm like, okay, but you can't get like over the barricade. Yeah. There was actually, I mean, there were definitely points where like uh, crews from Maryland Death Fest were like, hey, like you can't be on the stage. Hey, you can't be doing this. And I was like, listen, like I understand that you're running this festival and, you know, this is how you want it to be. But the artists literally want me to be on the stage filming for this documentary. <laughs> like, like, yeah. so there was some conflicts within that document. Well, within that Maryland death fest footage where they were like, Hey, you know, 
do you have the permission? And I was like, yeah, but like you wouldn't give me a freaking photo or video pass. So it, <laughs> yeah, it was complicated. Actually, now I think about it. Well, I think what might have gone in your favor, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've been there, but it used to be a lot of the security was like local scene dudes. So it, you, it might've helped, but maybe it's not the way it is anymore. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a interesting experience. I've never been booted off a stage before for, for filming or taking videos, but welcome yeah, to Baltimore motherfucker. That's the, phrase. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was, it was actually kind of funny. So you put it out and you, when did you actually release this? I, 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 like I told you, I've watched it. I've seen the whole thing, but it was, it was in the midsummer or maybe early summer. It was released July 15, 2022. I was, so I think I'm pretty right by saying midsummer. I think I'm like right on when I say midsummer. To me, that's the middle of summer, the middle of July. That's perfect. I win. Um, <laughs> but I but win. Yeah. so uh, so, what's the feedback been like from you? How did how did it go over? If I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna be blunt. I've only gotten like twenty negative mm-hmm. reviews, like real bad, like like brutal. <laughs> Like, like, hey, man, you don't know what you're doing. Like, the footage is horrible. The bands suck. Like, the people that you picked are, are, are not worthy to represent the metal community. Like, just crazy shit. Uh, that's dumb as hell. And then you got the everybody else that's, like, super supportive. And, like, uh, yeah, I would say 95% of the people that watched that documentary film gave me positive feedback about it um you know and it just goes to show i mean if it was a bad documentary or just like people didn't like it they wouldn't have shared it because when i originally um posted it Mm -hmm. um within like a week there was like two thousand views um and then all of a sudden like i just started hitting up like hundreds of people (laughs) on my phone (laughs) like on, on my lunch break uh and that's when shit just started like uh, going off the wall because it was all word of mouth, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of it was word of mouth, and uh, yeah, so people must have, you know, liked it in that way because I didn't do much. Let's put it that way. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, like I made those little promo videos for the bands to share. Yeah. And then the people like kind of pulled it, you know, um, to other people. That's great. And I, yeah, I see it's about almost 50,000 views at this point and, uh, and 220 comments on YouTube. So that's a, a whether they're good or bad, that's a hell of a, that's a, it's a very good engagement. Right. And that's the whole, like, that's what, that's what we want either way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, I'm proud of this thing, man. Like I, I don't know. That's good. I, I, don't, I don't know what to say about it other than the fact that I'm just proud about it. You know, like I, there were many points where I didn't think the documentary was going to happen, you know, and uh, it just ended up happening after endless hours on my computer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, well, tell me about what the, what your favorite part, your favorite moment of recording this and we're putting this together or editing or whatever, your favorite moment of making this documentary. Ooh. Um, so frozen soul, I'm going to bring them up because like they were very grateful for being a part of the, the documentary, like right off the bat, mm-hmm. they're super supportive. And, uh, I, Chad looked me in the eyes and he said, what you're doing is extremely important. And I'm very grateful like that you're 
doing this for the community like this is huge like we needed this and yeah. I, i'll never forget that because you know up to this point like i've always tried to make a stride in doing something within the music industry and like i do like that like i i love that band i mean everything about it um you know just the people in the band and the music uh it just meant a lot because i was like wow you know for him to say that to me like i was mm-hmm. just like okay i'm gonna just keep doing what i'm doing because it <laughs> he digs it so people other people must dig it they're gonna dig it. i don't know <laughs> yeah you gotta imagine all right look for for every one person that says they like it <laughs> I think it's safe to assume there's at least five more that just aren't saying anything, you know, and um, or, or if not more. And but also, <laughs> likewise, and I, I don't think that is the same for people who don't. I think people who don't like shit, um, they use and, and they feel the need to say something. Like I don't know, those are fucking those are those are weird. Those are those are weird people. Like I, I don't I don't understand that. Uh, I don't understand acting like that, right? But we, but when but when you have somebody that's, it's harder to speak up and say you like something and tell somebody you appreciate what they've done. And I think, uh, I wish more people would do it. I wish I would do it for two more people. Um, but it's, but I think you can assume that there's more people in the background thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like the older I get, I'm kind of recognizing that too. Like to give more people pats on the back, like, like for example, like you go go to work, and if your boss is a say, let's let's put it like this. I used to have a boss that was always very encouraging. You know, she was just like, "Hey, you're doing really good today. Keep it up. You know, you're working really hard. Good job." Yeah, and like that was a lot more motivating than the fact of like, go to work, get paid, no good job. You right. know, like. <laughs> At the end of the day, like it is nice to get a pat on the back for something, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I think, yeah, it's important. Just anybody in in art, you know, if if you dig it, tell them. Yeah, because that that little snippet of positivity will keep them going, man. Oh yeah, it might be the the deciding factor on whether there's another one, right, or whether it keeps existing. Um, but tell me about the decision to release it for free on youtube was there any other option or was this always what you were going to do um well in the beginning i had like (laughs) okay let's put it this way there was no financial intentions with this documentary like Mm -hmm. i i've been a fan of this type of music for years you know um and it was more the fact that i was just trying to learn how to film make like it, it had nothing to do with money. Like I could care less if I made a dime. It, without a doubt, I was losing money at, like every day on the film, just driving to, driving to meet up with people. But it didn't matter, you know. Like I, right. I didn't really care. Um, so the thing with documentaries is, if you don't have them sign release forms and stuff like that, you can't like sell DVDs or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, so when I first started doing it, I didn't get those signed and it's okay though, because I didn't really want to make a DVD. I just wanted to film, learn how to do it and, you know, right. Get better at what I was doing. Like, like, let's put it that way. 
if I would have like had the release forms too, the documentary would have changed in so many ways. You know, Maryland Death Fest probably would have denied the request of having a documentary made on it. Uh-huh. Um, certain big, big bands, they'd be like, oh, like, you know, we don't really want to, you know, have certain bands would probably deny it just because there was money involved, you know? Yeah. And, and almost understandably, like, why do you get to make money off of me? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's why, uh, I'm kind of, uh, happy I did it the way it turned out because, uh, I think it would have changed the film in many ways. Um, just the whole atmosphere of it, you know? Right. So uh, I'm just glad that it got released the way I wanted it to be. And, uh, yeah, people enjoyed it just how it was, you know, there were, there, let's just put it this way. There would have been many more restrictions and barriers and just way too more, uh, way too much complications, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, but yeah. What's next with noise doses media as a whole? Cause I see you're still putting out podcasts. You just put one out with, uh, uh I forget his name, the guy from fugitive, I think you put out another one since then too. Anyway, you're, you're, or maybe it was just that one, but uh, I see you're back at it with the podcast. You sounds like you're done with the zine. You mentioned a couple of things about another documentary. So what is next from noise doses media as a whole? Um, so yeah, the zine, (laughs) the zine is, I don't know. I think that's a little bit of a means to an end just because I'm not a huge writer. I'm not very good at, well, I'm just not as passionate about it as i thought um well for what it's worth i thought you did a great job with that i thought that was very well done i appreciate that um so i'm gonna continue the podcast and um i'm working on two documentaries right now one is on the local buffalo and rochester metal scene and the other one is a second between exaltation and aggression awesome that's what i got going on I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So there you have it. I hope everyone will go check out exactly what John's got going on. Between Exaltation and Aggression, Volume 1 is now available on YouTube. Please go check that out. Carve out some time. Sit down in front of your couch. Pop some popcorn. And learn about some death metal. Talk about some death metal. Listen to some death metal. Listen to people talk about some death metal. On and on and on. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Thanks again to John for coming on and having a chat. You can always check out his podcast as well, Noise Doses Media. He has a pretty impressive array of guests from past episodes, and I'm sure that will continue in the near future. Again, 
Exaltation and Aggression available now on YouTube with part two to come soon. We got to keep moving. We got to get to my interview with Brian Tatler before this episode gets way too long. But first, let's play a track, a classic track from Diamond Head. How about Am I Evil? And then my conversation with Mr. Tatler.
It's been two years, and now we're talking about Lightning to the Nations again. But this time, it's uh, it's a remastering. What's, what's going on now? Okay, so obviously in 2020, we talked about the re-recording of mm-hmm. Lightning to the Nations. But this is just the original album remastered uh, with some bonus material. But uh, it, it, it had a 10-year licensing deal, which ran out in 2021. So I spoke to our label about it, and they said, yes, I'd love to put it out um and we'll do new packaging uh bonus tracks uh bells and whistles so that's why we're talking so awesome yeah i knew that i knew there had to be a reason i didn't know about the licensing that that makes a lot of sense nearly what is it nearly a little over 40 years since its release yes exactly 1980 came out originally on just and it just came out on vinyl uh Mm -hmm. and then it came out on cd over the years on a couple of different labels uh, Metal Blade did a version, and um, so now it's on Silver Lining, and uh, it's a fabulous package. Uh, mm-hmm. But it also contains five previously unreleased versions of uh, of songs from the album, like mono mixes. But there's a couple of different things in there. Um, I believe these tapes were created at the time. They were like quarter inch uh, stereo masters, but. I mean, I do not remember them being made. It's 42 years ago, so <laughs> I I have no memory of it at all. But I found these tapes and got them transferred over to digital so I could at least hear what was on them. And it turned out to be, you know, alternate mixes and stuff. Um, and I just thought, oh, okay, well, the fans would probably like to hear these. Uh, so we included them, <coughs> sorry, included them on this package. Yeah, no, it's it's a nice touch, and it is cool to hear. Because you you know, I wonder with stuff like this with bands like yours, how deep is that vault? How much stuff is there to be unearthed? And uh, it's it's cool to find that there's more. Uh, there's not really any more uh, for this album. The, uh, the only thing that's never been released is all our little demos. Because I used to, I had a cassette recorder, and uh, we used to make little demos in the bedroom or in, in where we used to re- rehearse in this guy's uh, office. And uh, we'd just record them straight onto cassette mm-hmm. and uh, live band, you know. And um, I've got all those, but, of course, I'm not releasing those because they're too rough, really. They were, they were not meant to be released. They were meant to show us what the song sounded like so right. we could learn from the recording and move on. So... I'm not interested in, in releasing everything, you know. Yeah. But uh, I thought these were of good quality, these these tapes. So I was happy to let these out. Yeah, no, they are. They are. They are. They sound good, and they sound like they they belong here, and they they sound like stuff that people do want to hear for yeah. reissues and stuff like this. Like you're yeah. talking about, I've I've bought things from other bands where it's practice tapes, and you listen to that shit once, and <laughs> that's it, yeah. you know, and that's, and you realize this isn't, you know, it's, it's just too something rough, to sell. isn't it? It's rough and yeah. ready. I don't think it does the band any favors, to be honest. Right. Especially right. if you if you came fresh to a band, and, and that's the first mm-hmm. thing you heard, you'd think, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. Speaking of coming fresh to a band, if people were to come to Diamond Head now, would you want them to hear this version first, or... 
Yeah, why not? Which sounds great. It's yeah. uh, it's um, it's very clear. Um, uh, you know, the mastering's very good, and the tapes have survived this long. So, I, I, you know, they're they're all sort of similar, but um, I think this has given it a bit of extra, a bit of extra oomph and uh, clarity. Yeah. It's it does sound clear, so I'm I'm pleased with this. No, as you should be. It sounds great. Um, you mentioned that there's the, the packaging's a little different. Uh, the, the artwork. Um, oh, it's very what is different. That? The packaging, yes. It's never yeah, from a white album artwork. to to a whole yes. character. Tell me about the exactly, lighting. Exactly. Yeah, it's never really had this kind of TLC before, uh, where you know artworks. Uh, well, I, I spent quite a while backwards and forwards with the artist who, who I've never met, but she works. She's a German artist. And uh, we, we'd have send ideas backwards and forwards until we're happy. And then I wrote a big piece for, for the inside, the booklet, where I tried to uh, tell a story about how we recorded the album and, and how we wrote the songs and things like that, as best as I could. You know, obviously memory right. plays tricks and uh, a, a lot of it's gone now in, in this amount of time. But I, I wrote a book in... Uh, 2008, I think, and it came out in 2009. So some of the detail is in that, that I, and I was able to sort of borrow some of the recollections from that. But also I tried to, to as I say, come up with, with descriptions of each song and how they were written, uh, to the best of my memory, really, because a lot of it's gone. Oh, yeah, it's crazy the way memory evaporates. I started, when my daughter was real young, I started writing down yeah. things that she did or said. And I can't look at it now because it gets me all upset, right? But but uh, <laughs> but it's like in the garage and I just wanted to keep it because I know I'm not going to remember it the way it really was. So That's I like, a good you know, idea. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. You, you will forget it. You might remember the odd little story because it becomes an oral history sometimes, doesn't it? Right. And you can only remember the, the stories that get told. Um, so I've, I've spoke about Am I Evil a lot over the years, so I can yeah. remember quite a bit about that one. But some songs like The Prince or Lightning to the Nations, I don't really remember writing them at the time. And uh, there's not that much story to go with them. So I, I, mm -hmm. I just did my best. Well, speaking of the history of the, of the album, I know from free, previous conversations and just things that are out there that you, you recorded it in about a week, right? Uh, recorded and mixed in a week. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Was, was the mixing and mastering part of that too? Uh, not mastering, but yeah, mixing. Yeah, it was all done in seven days. I think we had a, a, a weird deal with the studio owner where he said he'd have half, he'd have half our publishing and in return we had a week studio time and we agreed to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you back then, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, there, there's a, uh, you mentioned some of the some of the additional mixes or versions of these songs, but there's also a chunk of bonus tracks that I believe yes. come with either the double LP or the the CD. I'm not sure exactly yes, how it's they're on, they're on the CD. They're on, you know, I've got the CD here. They're, hmm. they're like the, the extra disc, but they're, they're just B-sides and uh, A-sides of singles that, that weren't on the album. So they've, gotcha. they've been released before. There's nothing that's never been released other than the five, you know, extra mixes. But uh, again, they've all been remastered, so they're, they're as good as we could get them. And, uh, you know, even though they're 40 years old, they still sound good. 
Yeah, no, the, the whole thing um, surprisingly sounds like it belongs together. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the writing's a little different, right, with, the, with those bonus songs. They're, they're, they sound like a different era of the band, but not, not too far off. It all sounds like Diamond Not Head. far off. No, only a year or two. Like yeah. a couple of them were recorded in 81. Uh, so it's all pretty much that period, 1980, 81. Mm-hmm. Well, there, uh, there's, um, it's been 40 years. So have you ever, you got to have a favorite song on this record, right? You have to, at say, least to play. I would say Am I Evil. It's still Am I my Evil? Favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big song. We still play it live. It's still the last song in the set and it goes down a storm. So it's got a lot of happy memories for me, that song does. Uh, you know, the fans decide what's, what they like, don't they? So when right. we wrote that and wrote some of the others, uh, we would play them live and, and you'd get the thumbs up, you know, or people would come backstage and say, oh, that's great, that's great. Uh, and, and others would just go down like, you know, like a lead balloon type <laughs> thing, just get polite applause. And, and we'd know that one's no good, that, that one didn't work. So we would just scrap songs if they didn't work live. And uh, But Am I Evil always went over really well, so it became our big, big song, you know. Mm-hmm. Is there, I'm always interested to ask, is there, a, is there a song that you've released that didn't go over well that you really think is very strong and you expected to get to go over well? Uh, no, not particularly. Sometimes when you release a new album, you think right. that's the one. But you can be wrong uh, because we found sometimes you, you put all your faith into one song. You might even make you track one side one of the album. <laughs> and then they all like track eight you know, and they yeah. start shouting for that one and, and, and your reviewer might go, and, and, and then you come to this track, you know, for example, D- Diamonds off the Diamonded album seemed to become the one, you know, and we thought, oh, well, we didn't expect that. It's just, that's why we put it at track eight. Because we didn't <laughs> right. even think it was that. But the punter is king. He, he knows. So he'll decide <laughs> what he likes. So we have to bow to uh, public, uh, public, uh, what's the word? opinion (laughs) yeah the uh well you last time we talked you told me that you were working on new material nothing was finalized is that still in the process yeah still still in process in funny enough i was at razzie's yesterday and we were working on another new song so we've got a lot of material now for this next record we've done demos lots and lots of demos i did demos here we've done demos at razzie's twice we've done mm-hmm. rehearsals where we record the rehearsals we've done that twice uh so we've got a lot of stuff ready to go we just need to we've got a big tour with saxon coming up uh, october november and then when we get into december <coughs> sorry and and january hopefully we can maybe start recording the next record uh and i think it'll be great i think it'll it'll be you know, also because we've got so much material to pick from with the quality control can be very high. You know, we can just make sure we've got all the very best stuff. So we, we had 20 songs at one point. Uh, so, you know, there's way too much stuff. Um, but we'll we'll just quality control, you know, and get up, let, let the best stuff through. Yeah, that's great. That's, you guys have the experience to know to do that at best too, I'm sure. Um, do you find being in... That at this point, being in Diamond Head, is it more enjoyable than it ever was before? Is it more fun? Um, I try and look for the fun. I mean, we do laugh a lot. Uh, yeah. We 
we've we've done so much together and experienced so much that uh, you know uh, it, there's there's less unknowns about it. You know pretty much what's going to happen. Um, we're not we're not going to turn up and and you know there's no there's no food in the dressing room. There's, there's no one's booked a hotel or we're having to stop in a in a guest house, which is you know not even open till six o'clock at night or something. <laughs> so we've done all the, the rough stuff, you know, but uh, things are a lot more, a lot smoother now because because of the amount of time we've been going in the experience. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I still think it's fun. I, I think at first it's, it's absolutely brilliant fun because you've never done it before and it's all a big adventure. Your first single, your first album, your first time abroad, your first time on a plane, your first festival, all that's incredible fun. To be to be traveling around the world with your with your friends is, is great fun. But yeah. uh that can become tiresome after a while, you know, when right. you've done your, you know, tenth tour and your, your <laughs> you know, your tenth time at this festival. But uh um I, I we look for the fun, you know, we see humor in in everything and I think that helps. Yeah, I think that helps. Emos, of course, is wisdom and knowing when to manage your expectations, I'm sure, comes into it yes. a lot, too. Um, you you mentioned going on tour with Saxon. You're going to be doing, uh, what is it, Europe the, Europe and the U, then the UK? There's a break between the yeah, two? Yeah, Europe, then the UK. It's about 30-odd dates in all 33. Um, so we're looking forward to that. That'll be great. It's just Saxon and Diamond Head. So, you know, we'll have a good set and... Uh, there won't be a lot of rushing about trying to, you know, squeeze bands on and get off 15 minute changeovers and stuff. It'll be nice. No drama. It'll, it yeah. should go well. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, that's an awesome pairing. Have you guys toured together in the past? Yeah, we've done probably 10 dates with them in the over the past few years and uh, we all get on really well. So it's great. We're looking forward to it. Is there anything, just because you mentioned... You, that tour gets split between the UK and uh, Europe. Is there any noticeable difference between mainland Europe and UK when you're playing shows? Uh, not, not with Saxon. Um, they're, they're pretty big all over Europe, especially, especially mm -hmm. big in Germany. Uh, so they'll all be big gigs. Uh, when we do it, sometimes we're playing places we might not have much of a following uh, against places where we have got a big following. So that's noticeable. We try yeah. to do festivals so that we can reach new new people. Um, and we we, we did a big tour with Black Star Riders a few years ago. So again, we got to a lot of places we'd never been before, and even even countries sometimes. I, I, we did three dates in Poland. Uh, actually, we did three dates in Poland on our own in 2018. We'd never been to Poland before. Really? Uh, hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's great when you can get somewhere new and, and uh, it goes well. And uh, so we're always looking for, for new uh, horizons. We just played a, a date in Brazil and we, in Sao Paulo and we'd never been there before. So that was a real adventure to, uh, to fly five and a half thousand miles to, <laughs> to uh, Sao Paulo and, uh, you know, play to those guys. That was great. How was that? Because they love their metal, don't they? They do. They're very enthusiastic. They knew the songs. They knew the words. They were quite something to see. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I, and I got to imagine you guys have been most places, but uh, but it's very cool. Yeah, Lighting the nations. A lot of people love it, and a lot of do. You, do you find that 
it's harder to sell people on a remaster. Do you, do you get any pushback or from people from fans of the band about reissuing the album? Not particularly. I mean, some people probably say, "I've already got it. That's the end of it. I don't. Want to, I'm not going to buy it again." Fine, you know. But if you haven't got it, give it a go. Or you may want it because of the packaging. You know, it's completely fresh packaging and some people are, 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 you know your collector your big fan has to have everything i'm like that if i like a band i'll buy i'll buy every album and uh i just can't stop myself <laughs> but um yeah i would imagine some people have already got it will buy it again but yeah what can you do you know the licensing run out it's time to do it again it's still a a well-respected album so that's a total classic and uh, you know that's it's 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 an album you can get away with doing that with yeah yeah Um, i'm happy to put it out again uh it's a worldwide release um it's it's nicely remastered it's nicely packaged it's totally a matter of choice if people want to buy it but uh you know we've done what we could right (laughs) well just because you mentioned that there's bands that you've done this with which bands do you buy everything of uh, ACDC. Yeah. I will buy any ACDC. Anything. Uh, yeah. Led Zeppelin, uh, Pink Floyd, um, The Wild Hearts. I, I like, I'll buy any, you know, I won't necessarily buy it the minute it comes out, but at right. some point I'll pick up the albums and, and, you know, I've got most of them, if not all of them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you have your favorites, but uh, yeah, yeah. there's something nice about seeing them all in, in a row. In, in, oh, I know. I got, you can't see bit, here, but over here, it's just rows and rows. It's a bit records. autistic, yeah. but anyway. Oh, I bring you lightning to the nation. 
So there you have it. That was my conversation with the legend Brian Tatler talking about the re-release of Lightning to the Nations. The song you just heard was the title track, Lightning to the Nations. But the trick is, it was the lost original mix that we talked about. A little different sounding than the one you may be used to hearing. Uh, but you should go check that out. That full record is available now everywhere from Silver Lining Music Limited, I believe is the name of the label. And uh, you can pick it up most places. Thanks again to Brian for stopping by for the second time to have a conversation on Getting It Out podcast. That's going to be it for this week. We should wrap this one up because it's going a little long. But first, I want to tell you to go to gettingitout.net and check out everything we got going on there. News every day, at least a little bit. Videos, reviews, And I'm working on something else that's pretty cool. Hopefully, I'll be able to have that for you in the next week or two. The podcasts just keep coming. Maybe there'll be three this week. Maybe not. We'll see how much I can get done. Time's a little tighter as we get into November. I've got to spend too much time watching the Philadelphia 76ers lose. Not real happy about it, but i got to do what i got to do. And what i got to do right now is end this episode. I'm going to do that with a track from Abduction. Their new album came out last week. It's called Black Blood. It's on Candlelight Records. This song is a psilocybic death. I hope you like it. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.